This is a live interview hosted by Rosanna Tufts for the Tufts Get Going, featuring the reasonable voice, Marcello Rolando. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you so much, Rosanna, and thank you for all that memory lane uh, introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, and it's so great to hear your voice again. <laughs> yes. The reasonable voice. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, well, I actually contacted you last fall uh, as the uh, debates were underway, mm. and uh, you decided you, uh, I invited you to be on the show then, and you decided you wanted to wait until uh, some of the other candidates had dropped out, which now they have, yes. and we're down to pretty much a final four at this point. I'm kind of not counting John Kasich in yes. this, even though he hasn't, he hasn't actually said that he's dropping out, but I, there's really mathematically no way yes. unless we get a situation at the Republican convention where they uh, convince the delegates just decide, you know, we're just going to ignore the will of the people and we're going to nominate our own candidate there you are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> screw the rest of us. <laughs> so we're kind of not going to talk about him. But uh, I would like to talk about the four that we that we still have as a, as legitimate contenders, mm. and I kind of like to take them in the order of Cruz, Trump, Sanders, and finally Clinton. Mm. And I would like to start with Ted Cruz first because. Um, he's the one I know the least about, actually. Sure. I've paid less attention to him than I have the other three. And But from what I understand of all of them, he is the one who would most like to create a, a theocracy mm-hmm. in this country. Yes. And I, the Ayatollah Khomeini, 35 years ago, did us an enormous favor by showing us exactly what a theocracy would be like. Yes. Have we forgotten so soon? Well, you know, um, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, of course, for being on the show again. And uh, talking about these uh, four candidates and their promises, their campaign promises, and linking that to what will life be after January 20th, 2017, it will... It, we are already in, in an evolution of a new world order. I don't know how brave it's going to be, but it's going to take a lot of courage to get through it. And when you look at these, uh, you know, uh, when you look at these four uh, candidates for 2016 and the and the campaign itself, I'm really open to uh, my mind is completely open to considering every possibility of what's motivating these promises. Uh, even more than usual, you know. Nixon would. Uh, I often tell people. I'm, I I worked with Nixon's uh, uh, granddaughter in in the theater, and she was a marvelous talent. And of course, we never discussed her grandfather, but um, been, but it left me meeting her mother, his daughter. We won't say which one, but in brief conversations, because her mother knew who I was, I knew who she was. It was no secret. Um, the um, Nixon was very good at uh, having a press conference with three-by-five cards, and if you asked a question and he didn't wish to answer it, he just went to the next three-by-five card and gave that answer. So 
it, but mm-hmm. but we've gone beyond that in this election. Uh, things are being said that um, uh, truly have no substance, but have no foundation, no, nothing that can that can support them in a real world. But okay, so let's talk about these guys. Um, I think first of all, you got to believe that. Uh, the most recent development of the this leak of the Panama Papers, you got to wonder what that's all about mm-hmm. and what it means because it's just beginning. It's not just offshore fortunes uh, where fat cats uh, put money so they don't have to pay taxes. That's just the tip of the iceberg. These guys, you you have to realize. I mean, you, when when I say you have to realize, I mean don't take my word for it. You need to think about. What's motivating here? What what what's behind this kind of thing? Because either they're stupid enough to think they can eat money, or they've got a plan. And if we save all of this money, it's not about just not paying taxes. It must buy something. So what are they planning to buy? Um, and I come up with at least two. And I say it tongue in cheek. And I say it with a sense of humor because, frankly, I think in the new world order that's coming our way in 2017. We better at least have a sense of humor. Um, I think these guys are somewhere are secretly building their own uh, spaceships to Mars, and they plan to go somewhere, and they think they will survive. Or if they stay on land, they're going to build, you know, you've seen in the sci-fi movies, these um, cities that live under uh, domes. Well, walled-in, gated neighborhoods could be under domes. But they haven't thought it through because unless they have enormous stores of food, they still, with all the money, will not survive. Okay, moving on. Um, I also think the New World Order is, is our choice. We have choices in that, what that's going to look like. Uh, you know, we can choose, okay, this whole trickle-down uh, stuff, this uh, Wall Street wars, this you know, this hasn't worked, so what are we going to do? Hating one another, beating up each other, and calling it freedom, um, you know, uh, of, it's freedom of speech to beat up somebody and kick them out because they disagree with you? Or are we going to come to grips with, um, uh, you know, do we believe that the if we unite together that uh, uh, everyone rises with the tide produced by climate change in our thinking? Because we got to think about climate change, or we, well, or we succumb to an abrupt climate change on Earth. I'm always, and I use as an example that not so great movie. I think it was Jason Robards, The Day After. You know, back a couple of twenty years ago or so, where uh, we, the television was telling, the news was telling everybody what was coming, but nobody was listening because we couldn't imagine that atomic bombs were going to be dropped on America. We just couldn't imagine it. So it kept coming, it kept coming, and finally when it came, everyone was shocked as though, oh my God, all of a sudden. But actually we had had all of the warnings. Well, we have all the warnings for climate change. We have all the warnings for uh, Koch brother type uh, investments in ultra-right-wing Life. If you haven't read Keith Bishop's, um, what is he got? Two books. One called Slop, and the other, uh, Slop is really scary. But but the Republican Bond, B O N D. You need to read that. It's by Keith Bishop, and it um, it tells you 
how this 2016 election can be not just bought, that's too simple, how, it, how we can be manipulated into voting or not being able to vote for what we really want, which is I think most of us have a vision of America that resembles some of the things we've heard, uh, you know, in history class and Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream and John F. Kennedy, Peace on Earth and, you know, Obama, We're a United States. I mean, you can find this and people cheer and scream and I think there's still a hope for that and there should be if if we want to pull together and make it happen. But you need to read Keith Bishop's <laughs> The Republican Bond because it could so, the scale could so easily be tipped. I don't make any money off of him or his books. I just want you to know about it. All right, conservatives. Conservatives, um, speaking of political promises, conservatives in general believe that uh, what they call free markets, which basically is I can do whatever I want to do to sell my product to whoever I want for whatever price. Uh, they believe free markets save freedom. But interference, you know, and it, but they can't save freedom if there's any interference or regulations or taxes uh, from government. They want government to be distant, detached, and small federal government uh, because they can control state uh -huh. governments, and um, they want those. And yet they want that small, detached, distant, non-taxing federal government to wage war when it's convenient for Wall Street, and Wall Street wants to conquer uh, new territory for profits off the poor countries. They want that. Um, and, and that's a conservative point of view. It may sound like a criticism, and of course it, it is, but it's only a criticism because I don't agree with it. it, but, it but they don't take that as a criticism. Uh, you can find that that's their mantra, and they make it quite clear. The higher up financially you go, the more um, this kind of thinking it permeates because they, they see it as freedom. This is what will save America. Leave us alone. Let us market our products wherever, whenever, however. Let us use sweatshops. Uh, let us take over other people's country. You know, let us pollute the air, the earth, blah, 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 on and on. Okay. Cruz. Ted Cruz... Um, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, my God, Trump is so terrible. Let's go to Cruz. Well, Ted Cruz. <laughs> Which is why he still has a shot. Uh, yes, exactly. Ted Cruz, we have to remember, um, and it's, you know, they say politics makes strange bedfellows. Not so strange that I'd ever be in bed with Cruz, that's for sure. But Ted Cruz has been, uh, anybody remember that party that was named after a drink and a a resistance act in uh, in uh, the colonized America. Anybody rem remember the name of that that political party? Seems so oh, faint yeah. now. Hey. Yeah, they yeah <laughs> the Tea Party. Where the hell is the Tea Party? Uh, you know, no, <laughs> they're gone. They're history. Well. Ted Cruz is the Tea Party, and as a member of the Tea Party, he, um, you know, he'd filibuster regular Republicans, 
uh, conservative Republicans. I don't think we have any more liberal Republicans, not since Nelson Rockefeller, but we may have a couple of moderates who keep resigning from Congress, understandably. But Ted Cruz is that arch-right-wing, um, hypocritical evangelic. And I say hypocrite. I, I know people who are literalist as, as religious people, um, but I'm not speaking about the, the general Protestant or Roman Catholic or, or Jewish person or Muslim or Hindu. These people believe in, in uh, something that is, is greater than themselves, and to how they believe is entirely up to them. I, I, I'm a Roman Catholic, I don't, but I don't believe in a, a God that, you know, on a white beard, a white man, and a white robe, and a white cloud. But I do believe that there is something more than running around trying to compete with each other and, and uh, cheat each other or win over each other or trick each other. There is more to us than that, and there's more to the universe than that. And I think real belief in our, as, as individual people, being connected to that kind of loving, giving, forgiving, sharing, uplifting, inspiring, educated, um, informed, uh, uh, super self, super consciousness, whatever you want to call it. I believe in that. However, I don't, I don't uh, criticize or look down on people who, like they say, some of my best friends go to church every Sunday and, and they pray to the statues or to the God in the white robe and, and beard, and, and that's fine until they come out of that church and then they vote against everything that's good for their fellow human beings. That's where I find uh, something worse than hypocrisy. Um, I, you know, we, we, the images and idols of God are not God. They are reminders. They are great art in some cases. Uh, and military uh, heroes, we, we like to keep their statues of them visible and in the headlines, and yet we use them um, against each other. So I think Cruz's world would be a lot of superficial Ten Commandments has to be back in the court and uh, religious statues, at least Protestant, um, not any other religion, um, uh, you know, have to be prominently placed, prayer in the schools. Uh, it's not that any of these things necessarily is awful unless they're imposed on people. But the awful thing about it is the kind of Cruz New World doesn't allow for all human beings to be equal. And the obvious, of course, they go right after conservative uh, religious, go right after the LGBT community. Uh, and I just don't know why it's anybody's business what people do in the bedroom as long as they're not doing it with your child or your wife or your spouse. You know, what business is it of yours? And it certainly shouldn't be a litmus test for citizenship. Uh, again, unless they are committing a crime, which, which would be um, uh, 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 violating a child or, or cheating with your spouse. 
That, that I can go, okay, that's a legitimate complaint, and you put them in jail, and even then you don't take away their citizenship, although we know, of course, the system, especially when it comes to minorities, once you're in jail, it's very difficult to get your citizenship back in the sense of voting. So that's Cruz. You want me yeah. to go on <laughs> with Trump? <laughs> okay, let's uh, take Trump now. Trump, I think, has, uh, I think Trump's, first of all, I would say, I have yet to let go of the possibility, even though it has fainted now, or faded, I should say, oh, down to about 5%. But initially, I frankly thought, well, this was a brilliant move by the Clinton machine. Uh, get their old friend Trump out there and, and making a fool of himself and being so radically terrifying that um, everyone will vote for Hillary. And and no disrespect to Hillary, um, I don't think now that that has taken place. I think it's gone too far to to think it was that, and if it ever was that, the, he decided, Trump that is, decided, oh, I don't need their game, I can do my own. Because I know people who, um, and literally, television production people who have worked uh, for him, and they say, no, Marcello, Trump, as Donald Trump has wanted to be president for decades, has always planned on it, and he has picked this time because he thinks between G.W. Bush, Cheney, and Obama, the country is reeling. Uh, Half of them hate Obama as much as the other half hates Bush, Cheney, and in the midst of all that hate is when something like Donald Trump can seem to be a savior. So he comes forward uh-huh. and he inspires in every kind of takeover like this. I know everybody likes to go back to the worst human being that we all sort of collectively believe that ever lived. We all know who he is. Um, and the moment you use his name you give uh, ammunition to both sides, so I'm going to avoid that. We all know who we're talking about. But um, but um, Trump, the thing that has in common with this kind of thing is that when a people feel, as they did in the 30s in Europe, that they have been raped by other nations, then they'll turn to anything as a savior and say... Help us out of this. Help us teach them a lesson. I mean, Putin is going through that, for Pete's sake. He he has a lot of uh, uh, bravado, but the, the truth is he is now the head of a country that is no longer the, the nation it was, and uh, it, it has been broken up, largely because of economy and because of his own people not wanting to be a part of what he was preaching. And um, and so there he is trying to hold on to significance, and that's the thing. Trump and people like him through history understand how to capture a people who don't feel they are any longer significant. They're not important. And, uh-huh. and then he seizes that and says repetitively uh, that he is the answer to their problem. He's what they're looking for. 
And unfortunately, there have been some good people who have said that. So you go, well, what about Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Well, he didn't ever put it quite that way. He walked in, it was a mess, and he was what we were looking for, um, you know, and without having to brag about it. But Trump, Trump has predicted, um, well, let's just go back and be quite literal about him. Donald Trump okay. has first said, I'm not going to pledge not to run a third party. That was his first response. And then later on, he sort of compromised on that. And now, of course, he's coming back out of that. And he uses that as a little club that he can threaten the Republican Party with. But then, um, uh-huh. but then, he, then people started uh, protesting. People started to wake up that if they don't say something, because I, I believe firmly Trump is not the issue, and he never has been. The issue is about 30% of the voting American population think this guy can do something good for America. That's the problem. And before Trump, before Trump uh-huh. was even around um, in, during the, the, the presidential election prior to this, with the Republicans, Gingrich and all those guys on the stage, uh, that a call in from a guy in the military, I think he was a major, and he was going to ask a question, and he made it clear that he was gay. Well, the audience, now the candidates kept their mouths shut. They didn't want to get caught one way or the other. But the audience booed him. These are the people that support our troops, support our troops. They booed him in uniform, fighting war in a foreign land because he was gay. That segment, that mindset is what feeds, fed the Tea Party, and now is feeding the Trump Party. And Trump uses it because that's his, that's his M.O., that's his, um, that's his strength, that's his ability, that's his twisted charm. Um, he can capture, as, as I said, those in, in, uh, in in Europe in the 1930s, uh, he can capture that need to feel important again, the need to feel um, that they matter. And you know, you have the black yes. the Black Lives Matter movement going around. I understand that. I mean, that comes from a, you know, that's a natural evolution out of slavery to I have a dream to all right when are we really going to stop being second class citizens when are our neighborhoods going to uh, not be food deserts etc so I I get that but he's he's got a bunch of people who feel like uh, you know we built this country Uh, of course the fact that they built it on the backs of black people and uh, Mexicans picking their food and Chinese doing their laundry and on and on and native Indians that they killed and drove into if they were lucky um, uh, uh, gambling casinos and if they weren't lucky drugs and alcohol we've used we've used people who look like you and me we've used um, these lesser fortunate uh, lesser affluent people to make a world that we were comfortable in and not realizing that most again most of the people who vote for Trump are blue collar workers they're not uh, they're not giants of industry but in the late 1800s the robber barons 
you know, were oil people. And now they're still big oil people, but they're big corporations, banks, obviously, financial institutions, uh, uh, automobile uh, industry. Um, it, it, there are a number of industries, and it is these people now, and most of them are white males, and not all white and they're not all male, but most are. And now they are trying to recapture, like the Koch brothers, they are trying to recapture a time when women and minorities um, were simply workers, worker bees. They worked for us, and, you know, and like Romney, we can claim we built that, but it's really those people who work for us who built it, and they, are, and they want that back. And, and I think, and I certainly hope I'm not going to say anything that endangers President Obama because I, my biggest concern about voting for him was that he wouldn't make it. I lived through uh, Dallas, uh, November 22, uh -huh. 1963, and I just couldn't take that again. And he has come a long way in part because... He might be assassinated. Well, here's the thing. What I think is that he's not, he's not going to be physically assassinated. He has been uh, uh -huh. so obstructed by major money. You think yeah. Mitch McConnell's doing something. Mitch is nothing. Mitch is absolutely uh -huh. nothing. Compared to the, absolutely. The others, yeah. It's the money that is thrown at blocking and the constant ability because these are, after all, industry giants. These this is corporatism at its best and worst. They know how to make money, they know how to build a business, and they know how to kill competition. And fortunately, I believe the days of the 60s when you say this person was a problem that's killed them are behind us because there's too much public opinion they have to deal with. And they did have a backlash to Kennedy's assassination that went on for decades. But, um, you know, everything that Kennedy... Oh, went on. oh yeah, yeah. So they... Exactly, exactly. And it has it fathered a lot of the things they thought they were going to get rid of, uh, including Bobby Kennedy and, and Dr. Martin Luther King, but it, it didn't. And so I think, I hope, they've learned shooting people at that level is not the answer. But they have other answers, and that is take over governorships, uh, politicize the Supreme Court, uh, you know, it's a big blow to them that uh, Scalia died. I was shocked. I mean, I certainly didn't agree with a thing the man had to say, but I was shocked because uh -huh. I realized it isn't just that it's a 4-4 court now, but if you, if you stop and, and think about how Scalia directed that court for decades uh -huh. and with such a powerful yeah. voice, and now that's gone... You have to know there are big uh, financial heirs, uh, Koch brothers, Mellon, Gulf Oil. I mean, you know, they go on and on. Uh, uh, those people are in rooms now thinking, oh, my God, because we elected a black-looking guy, for Pete's sake. And, and, and then when nothing was really happening, he was... You know, there was so much to do and then so much obstruction. We elected him again. You, There is panic in those secret places of the puppeteers behind the curtain. And that panic uh, is clear because Trump comes along 
and he is now too dangerous for them. First of all, he doesn't need their money. Uh, he's too dangerous. He he predicts chaos in the street, or has should um, people he not get the nomination? He has certainly had chaos in his rallies. Uh, he has incited uh-huh. it, and not and and until he talked about abortion and women, um, he wasn't stopped. His his numbers kept going up, and he hasn't he, just because of Wisconsin, uh, Trump isn't going away. And the request, you know about the request that. Um, uh, there were conservative Republicans who wanted the right to bring their guns to the convention, the Republican convention. Now, can you imagine? I mean, I, I know, and I thought, you know, and it's awful. I apologize to all those reasonable, sensible, rational uh, Christian people. But I did have a moment and said to my wife, well, that could end the whole thing. Uh, you know, conservative, because, you know, we like to think of blocks of people are the same, like black people vote the same and conservatives vote the same and southerners vote the same. But it isn't true. It isn't true at all. Uh, Within those different uh, segments of the population, there is individualism. There are degrees. Not all conservatives love Trump. But they love conservatism. They love their bottom line. They love government staying out of their business. Uh, and uh, but Trump, um, Trump has, as much as Obama, has made people like the Koch brothers call together the Klan. Um, you know, out there, where, where was it they met when Obama was elected? I think it was Indian Falls, California, something, a big meeting where they all came together, billionaires. There are more billionaires meeting now about what on earth are we going to do after Obama. Obama was bad enough, but what are we going to do after Obama, uh, you know, if Trump gets there? How do we get control? So, uh, but because I do think Trump generally represents, and to a certain degree, Sanders. Uh, there are similarities, similarities to the two. They, they, uh, uh, not my feelings for them. I couldn't be more anti-Trump or more pro-Sanders. Uh, but um, they are two angry, screaming, yelling white men uh, telling us what needs to be done. Uh, and they are gun lovers. Beyond that, I don't think Sanders and Trump have anything in common but those things uh, should not just be brushed aside or ignored they they make a statement about where these two men are coming from but trump on the one hand says there will be chaos in the street and i believe so uh we will lose if trump were president uh, canada and mexico has have already refused to uh, be a part of trade deals and even have mutual embassies if trump were president alliances will fail uh, we may think America is all-powerful, and um, for a while perhaps our military could certainly be all-powerful, but n- not if the whole world turns its back. And that's what would happen if there were a President Trump. They just would. And, of course, the people who love him think, well, so what? We don't need them, you know. It's like George W. Bush saying we don't need the U.N., which was one of the dumbest things to that point any president had ever said. The U.N. is not some... Uh, strange building off in that evil sin city of New York where I love to live, Um, the UN houses all of the earth, 
all the people who go there, the representatives, represent countries, civilizations, nations, economies, neighborhoods, sweatshops, businesses. So it's not like it's something separate. It's us. It's like when, when we as human beings, especially American human beings, we don't see ourselves as, far, as part of the food chain. We don't think of ourselves as part of nature, that we are related to trees and birds and bees and the lions and the bears and the rabbits. I know I sound like Native American. Well, maybe we should all be a little more like that. But we are connected. We are connected to all of that. And the problem with climate change production, uh, the problem with nature uh, and resources, natural resources, is that we think we can exist if pollinating animals, insects disappear. We don't get that. Without that pollination, we don't get food. We don't get that if the poor cannot afford medicine or to, to eat. It's the poor who buy our products, and it's the poor who harvest our food. If they disappear, sickness, whatever, desperation, suicide, starvation, lack of clean water, four million people around the world already do not have access to daily water. Now, because we don't think we're attached or connected to them, when it happens, it'll be like Jason Robarts and uh, the day after, every, the TV was playing, but nobody got it. On to Sanders. I yeah. hope I hope this monologue is helpful. I remember a couple of years ago we were talking about Elizabeth Warren and yes. how wonderful we thought she both was, but that uh, we didn't think that she would make a run at the presidency, and she hasn't. But now here comes this man who is cut from very nearly the same cloth. Yes, and he is running. Well, you know, I think um, I think Senator Warren is an incredibly intelligent and capable woman and senator. And I think she's being smart not to get between Sanders and Clinton. I think uh, however it goes, um, I mean, it would be smart. I mean, for political reasons, she won't be asked to be vice president. But Sanders might ask her. Um, But she is is almost guaranteed, regardless of who the Democrats uh, nominate, to be offered a um, a cabinet position. And she yeah. has she has influenced the Democratic Party and Barry, uh, Bernie Sanders. And in turn, Senator Bernie Sanders has pulled uh, Secretary Hillary Clinton to back closer to what we like to think of ourselves as Democrats. Uh, Bill Clinton, and I, I, I don't fault President Bill Clinton for doing this, um, he moved the center of uh, the Democratic Party, but he moved it because everybody thought Reagan, and they still do some, that St. Reagan, you know, had brought us the solution to the light, the city on a light on a hill by, um, you know, invading Grenada, who wasn't bothering anyone. And did you know the American citizens, the students there were shocked when the American troops showed up. They didn't know why they were there. I mean, that was a whole hoax. And, 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 
And I think Reagan was a good man. He had a great sense of humor. He was a great husband. And I say that not just because of what the media says about Nancy loving him. I say that because I know people who served in the Reagan White House, and I have had the opportunity not to meet the Reagans, but to watch closely through that lens and through the lens of my own parents' uh, Alzheimer's and see how Nancy took care of him and how much he appreciated and loved her. So I have great respect for Ronald Reagan, but he was not a good financial or international, by the way, president, and he certainly uh, is no saint. But that's all right. Neither is Bill Clinton or Obama. But Bill Clinton uh, reacted to Reagan. We got centered and now a little right of center. And so that's where... um, I think I've skipped over Bernie. I better go back a bit. Uh, uh, The big thing about Bernie Sanders for me, I love Bernie Sanders. I love everything that comes out of his mouth as long as it's not about guns. Um, um, I'd love to see an America that, an unarmed America, that Bernie Sanders would, uh, would like us to be. But here's a reality we have to face. President Obama, wrongly, I, I think President Obama's done two things wrong, and I part with him on Number one, he thought he could go in and everybody was going to be uh, good people and, and respond to him because he was a good guy, he was willing to compromise, let's rule by, by uh, you know, compromise and negotiations and let's talk to everyone, he used to say on the campaign trail. He's willing to talk to everybody. But nobody was going to talk to him because the money guys had already told the Republicans, you talk to him and you will not be reelected. And that happened over and over. And the moderates, Republican moderates, are leaving because they, you know, they can't live any more in that uh, uh, atmosphere than we can. So the reality is no one man can pull this off. And the millennials, God love them. I was a millennial once. I was out there, you know, voting for Bobby Kennedy. Uh, yeah, I remember that, you know, when everything was possible. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say we should lessen our hopes or our dreams. Everything is possible, but you have to have a solid, pragmatic foundation, a plan. You have to be able to drill and to inspire people to come to you. And he talks about a million people hitting the, the Washington Mall, uh, you know, three or four times a, a year to make a point. Well, he can forget that because Americans don't do that. You know, they come to some big thing. I have a dream, the Million Man March. I know, I get it. But uh, that's not a, that's, we like to get the guy in there and we like to believe he can, uh, he can do it. So Wall Street will not stand still nor play nice when it comes to any attempt to regulate it or increase its taxes or even deny it, uh, you know, uh, access. Uh, You know, student loans, they're not going to give up student loans. That is one of the most lucrative rip-offs that they they have in collaboration with university administrations, and they're not going to let go of that. And if you think um, Obama has been obstructed uh, by the paid people who are paid to obstruct him, you, you just wait. Sanders will... Uh, Sanders, I I wish um, uh, he 
were in a key position, even a special prosecutor, even an attorney general who was free completely to go after all the Wall Street criminals and then had the support of a Congress uh, and a president and a Supreme Court, then I think that would be his best position because I think the New World Order following Sanders will be both... um, a stronger Wall Street because everything fights more when it's cornered, and a stronger gun lobby. Um, uh, And I want to stress, again, to all the gun lovers out there, I'm not against guns. I don't know why people need automatic weapons in the cities, including the police. My family were gun people. We were Italians, for Pete's sake. Believe me, guns were everywhere. They were worn everywhere. Uh, and the only time my grandmama ever forbid a gun not being worn by my Uncle Gino was that he couldn't wear it in church. So he sat outside, but he didn't take his gun off. And, uh, so I understand guns. I was taught how to use rifles. I went, I joined the army. Uh, I was a great marksman. Uh, you know, even the battalion commander said so and all that stuff. So I'm not against guns, but you got to look at what kind of guns and how they're being used. Uh, I don't know when yeah. one, you know, in Texas anymore, but I do know, having lived in Florida, outside my door, uh, on my property, alligators, snakes, uh, you know, anything might come by. And I once ran out with uh, flip-flops and shorts to save uh, the, the uh, big snapping turtle's eggs from the birds and she didn't go after the birds she came after me and I ran because she was ready to take my toes off so um so I understand guns but you cannot you you cannot I just think Bernie Sanders should be the attorney general okay in the time we have left can I slip in something about Hillary Clinton uh I know people who know yeah. H- Hillary Clinton very yeah, we well we got time to talk about Hillary okay um I know a lot of people who um, who know Hillary Clinton personally. They've been on her staff. They've even been on Capitol Police when she was a senator and were part of her uh, protection. Uh, she, too, is no saint. None of us are. She is... Uh, um, I think, like Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton is a sweet grandmother until the grandchildren aren't around. And then uh, if you watch Nancy Pelosi and you watch Hillary Clinton, they're quite different otherwise. And it's a difference that I admire. I feel that, especially in this election year, whether you're for Clinton or not, when you look at all from the beginning of 2016, all the debates, all the Republicans, all the Democrats, everybody debating, and you watch how they answer, I think the most, um, I don't even want to use flowery words like inspirational. I want to say the most comforting. When you, when you want to feel safe in a world of ISIS uh, or safe in a world of Wall Street bankers, um, Hillary Clinton answers a question in a way that says, I am an energetic political powerhouse. Uh, I am an attorney. I am uh, uh, an iron-fisted female Bismarck. And, uh, and I've known defeat. 
you know, at the hands of Obama. That had to have been humiliating. I mean, and, and she must be now thinking, oh, God, not again. But her finest, one of her finest moments for me was that after being defeated by Obama, she agreed to be his Secretary of State. Now, the good news about that is that she could have said, are you out of your mind? Get lost. Uh, you've humiliated me. This belonged to me. This was my chance. This was time for all women to break the, you know, the glass ceiling. But she didn't. And not only that, no matter what Republicans would like you to believe about Benghazi, she was an incredible Secretary of State, as was Colin Powell before her. She was an incredible Secretary of State, powerful, strong, working hand-in-hand with the Secretary of Defense and the President and Vice Presidents of the United States. She was strong. And that is exactly, I think, Hillary Clinton, of all the candidates still running, she is the one who can go toe-to-toe with a Pentagon general or foreign leader like Putin or Wall Street CEO. And, and you know what? What I think she's learned from Obama is that first you try to negotiate. First you be nice. First you sit down and listen. And then only if that doesn't work, then you go, now listen. Because Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton are the only two people who faced off with both the political, the Bush-Cheney politics, and the Wall Street CEOs when this all happened to us at, in 2008. Those two women went to those guys and, with gritted teeth and said, listen, we're going to help you get through this, but you are never going to do this again. Those two women. And I think if, frankly, uh-huh. I think if the American government and the American people were in the hands of uh, Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, and Hillary Clinton, we'd all be a lot better off. That's what I think. Um, so you said that uh, she said you're never going to do this again, <laughs> uh, the uh, defrauding of the American public. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, uh, I just, earlier this week, I watched The Big Short, and last night I read three-quarters of the book yes. on which The Big Short was based. And, and of course, all of that uh, subprime mortgage lending crisis, which t- took the rest of the economy down in flames with it, yes. that all came about as a result of the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act yes. in 1999 that made all of that uh, that kind of speculative speculation possible. Yes. I mean, uh, do you think that under uh, a uh, Clinton administration, I mean, it was her husband exactly. who repealed it in the first place, yes. would she reinstate it? Would, I... uh, would it be possible to put those safeguards back in place because we need them? Well, I think yes is the, is the short answer. They, they weren't need necessary yeah. anymore, but now we've, sh- we've seen that it's that, yeah, we still do. Well, I think, again, as I said earlier, I think President Bill Clinton uh, was a political animal. I mean, they're all politicians, but I mean, he was a guy who said, you know, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do what I know I can do. I've got to work with these people. And then, again, people forget there was a tremendous amount of power and popularity coming out of the Reagan uh, years for a very different political philosophy. 
and I think he did. Uh, uh, Bill Clinton did a number of uh, made a number of choices, not all of which time has proven to be the best choices. But I think Hillary, both from Bernie Sanders and from the campaign trail 2016, and from her own uh, revelation in looking back, just as her vote on Iraq, um, realizes, okay, not all those reactions to things were good, and we're going to have to fix them, just like we're going to have to repeal uh, Citizens United. And in our last few moments, if I could, if I could mention... I um I think yes. we are media driven to be so preoccupied with the extremes of uh, the 2016 politics that we we forget our past or worse we sometimes think that the the future is simply a repeat of the past um and what we really need to realize is a, there's another uh I don't know if it's a book or not but it's Nature Bats Last. That's B-A-T-S, Last. Nature Bats mm-hmm. Last. Nature Bats Last. Yes, it is at least a blog, if not a book, by uh, the blog is uh, Dr. Guy McPherson. And that's an eye-opener as uh, the big short will make us weep in about financial things that people could just... It was a game. It was a numbers game. And and all of us are paying for it, and we're lucky to have had Obama. He may not have fixed it all, but man, oh man, it's a lot better than the day he walked into office. But when we weep about the big short, we must also not make the mistake that the Koch brothers and that crowd make. Uh, and that is, it's not just money that's either the problem or the solution. We have changed earth and we are not going to be able to change it back so we have to decide you talk about a new world order it's not just politics and money it's food and it's water and it's air and we are going to um i think it's an opportunity to say no matter what your religious beliefs or even beliefs in in political beliefs or beliefs in climate change the, the earth has changed. You watch birds, the birds and the bees. You watch the ladybugs. You watch your uh, flowers bloom, and then the next couple of days they've got snow on them. Uh, the seasons are gone. Uh, extreme war has become the new... Uh, extreme weather has become the new, uh, the, the new normal. And I think um, I'm no scientist, so I don't know if that can be reversed... I do believe it can be slowed down, and I do believe it calls on us as a new world order to say, hey, what kind of people do we want to be? If this is it, um, what do we, you know, how do we stack the, the deck a bit for whatever comes after? Um, what kind of people do we become to each other? I, I think, so I think that nature bats last. Nature's going to get the final word and I think we've raped her, and she's not happy about it. So think money, think politics, but think each other. Think the earth, think water, think food. Nestle has already tried to privatize water. Why do you think? Because one day there's going to be so little of it they can make money. Exactly. Okay, but I do. We're going to have to 
Okay. So this has been a wonderful conversation about uh, four different possible scenarios for a new world order by Marcello Rolando, who you can continue to follow on TheReasonableVoice.com. You've been listening to Rosanna Tufts on The Tufts Get Going, and have an active day.